Hey, I'm Dale Shores. And I'm Emerson Collins, and you're watching The Dale and Emerson Show. Straight talk. Real gay. Hi, Dale Shores. Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm just fine on this Friday. Oh, I know everyone's been worried about my mental health journey. My doctor yesterday, we decided we're changing pills. We're moving oh. on. So what? now what are you pilling now? What's the so switching from the Zoloft to Nortriptyline. It's what I was on before that that one doctor said, don't take that. She said, if it worked before, let's try that because I'm a delicate flower. My stomach was busy. You can't, you probably see it. My skin's all a mess. She Let said, let's go Come back. Closer. Come closer. Oh, that's atrocious. I know. I like the, I was like, you know, you can stream yard in high def 1080 now. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Oh, no, no, no. We like the soft focus. I just, with a little bit of the light, I got, I had, a, I had a little blemish myself here today, Emerson. I had to do a little cover up so I wouldn't frighten the fans and the viewers. Oh, good. But yeah, so we're switching the pillin' and moving on. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. I appreciate it. Uh, I've been well. hiking, Emerson. My, you know, my I, all my old man illnesses, my plantar fasciitis, uh -huh. working real hard on it. I got some acupuncture and I was able to uh, hike. Tell the people about, this was your first time acupuncture. Y'all, have y'all ever had acupuncture? I have not. It Well, first of all, they, oh, anybody who's ever had it, they go, oh, it doesn't hurt. Y'all, it hurt. It fucking hurt. And uh, I, I'm pretty good with needles, in fact, I loved the 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 doctor. As soon as I took my shirt off, he saw the tattoos. He goes, "Oh, I see you're okay with needles." And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, "But usually, you know, you walk away with something cute." But um, it really did hurt. They put, you know, my shoulders are messed up, so they're doing those. I won't bore you with all the details. But he had forty needles, I think, in me, and that one in my head, one here. Oh my god. I don't know where I just say, okay, I'm just going to trust this. It's uh, you know, it's working for the Eastern people for a long time. I'm just going to work. I'm just going to Eastern medicine. Come on into my body. So yeah. anyway, well, good. I'm so glad we're trying new things. All the options on the table for our health and well-being. Yeah. Hey, everybody, whether you're watching us on Facebook or on YouTube or on Periscope on Twitter, say hello, share the broadcast with your friends. Uh, what we do here is the LGBTQ news and nonsense. Share your thoughts. We're curious about them. Um, and before we get into the RNC, because obviously that's up first, I wanted to talk. We don't do sports ball a lot on the show because, you know, I don't really care about it. Um, but it was a really big, important week uh, watching the Bucks, the in the NBA and the WNBA and then several of the baseball teams and soccer teams all the way down to a tennis player this week go on versions of strikes to bring the conversation back to police brutality in the wake of Jacob Blake's uh, being shot seven times in the back. Uh, and I thought that was an incredibly powerful statement. A huge, it was huge. And, and I just loved the, even the, I, and I, I wish I, I'd written his name down because you know, we're not, good with the, we're not fluent in the sports but the, the sports caster who walked off of the show and said i'm gonna do i'm gonna uh do you know who i'm talking about but anyway um it was it was it was so effective and then of course people on the other side were being rude about it like jared privilege kushner who basically called them out for their privilege of course they can afford this and i'm thinking shut the fuck up i'm just it, it, well uh, and also that's the whole point. I mean, this image of the women in the WDNBA was so powerful to me. But that's the point. People using their privilege to the conversation. Because, you know, in the last two months, we're not seeing the protests on TV every night while we've been focused on the conventions. And they're still happening every night in many cities. And it's really important because the protests, it's about actual change, right? Anti-racist change actual changes in our communities, actual changes in policing. Here in California, we are in danger of not passing bills that were for police accountability, for police decertification, which 45 other states already have. I mean, police record transparency. We're the Democrat majority here, and the police union impact is so powerful. Those bills are in danger of not passing. We do have to bring this conversation back, because if we don't 
actually change the laws, actually change how we hold police accountable, then all of that marching and all of those signs and all of those Instagram posts were for nothing. That's right. And right now it's like with the Kenosha uh, Police Department, their 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 uh, union today just put out some statement just villainizing as much as they can uh, Jacob Blake. And, you know, no matter what, if, if he had a, a knife in his hand, there was nothing that warranted what they did. And what we saw was, I mean, I don't think that any of, not, not any of us could not have, with four people there, could have app, not apprehended somebody if there was a, any sort of threat or danger, it, even if they are resisting arrest. This was absolutely appalling. And it just bothers me when they start vill, vill, villainizing him and then they start uh, making a hero out of the 17 year old kid who went out with a machine gun and shot people. It's just, uh, you, you know, Tucker Carlson and Fox News, they should uh, they should all be ashamed. And yeah, uh, well, and, and keeping it to the police brutality, because that's a whole other rodeo. The you know, these people are holding us and our culture accountable by saying we will not be your entertainment until you deal with the issues okay. that are important to us. That's and that's right. impressive yeah. and amazing use of your platform uh, to actually achieve change. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not going to be watching the games anyway. Kenny I'm really Smith. proud of the impact. Kenny Smith. That was, I'm like an old woman. Oh, I'm so glad. Oh. That was the sportscaster who walked up ESPN. It was re re wonderful, actually. So anyway. Um, well, and so on to the RNC. If you watched this week, if you didn't, I get it. Uh, but if you did, tell us your thoughts. Uh, we're going to launch with just the two speakers that speak specifically to LGBTQ news in our community, because obviously throughout the week, we were not an important part of the platform. Though I will say every time last night, Trump said trans, Pacific Railroad, I was worried he was going to say something terrible about the trans community. He kept saying that Trans-Pacific Partnership, and I was like, don't, stop. Um, Before we get just really quick, does anybody else, are you bothered by the, I mean, I'm bothered by so much about Trump, but his speech pattern is getting more and more melodic in a very monotone melodic way, if that makes sense. I felt like they could put Da, 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 da. It was just like, but, but, no, you can't ever say Sleepy Joe again because whew, there was no Absolutely. It was just awful. awful. All right. Up first, Sissy Graham Lynch, the biggest bigot by a hair from this week's convention, or at least the most overt, Franklin Graham's daughter, Billy Graham's granddaughter, uh, got up and she went full bigot. She praised Trump as a champion of religious freedom by celebrating the various homophobic and transphobic things that have happened. She said, Democrats tried to force adoption agencies to violate their deeply held beliefs. That's code for bigotry based on the Bible. Democrats pressured schools to allow boys to compete in girls sports and use girls locker rooms. She called Trump a fierce advocate for people of faith who ensured religious ministries would not be forced to violate their beliefs and withdrew the policies that placed our little girls at risk. She's, of course, using false stereotypes and fear-mongering about trans girls in sports, access to appropriate bathrooms and locker rooms, and painting trans people as predators by saying little girls are at risk. The adoption and foster care comment is about how is about allowing religious agencies to discriminate against prospective parents who are LGBTQ. And that's important because it's coming up on the heels of a report from the House Ways and Means Committee saying the Department of Health and Human Services has been systematically discriminating against LGBTQ families in federally supported foster care system. There's a Supreme Court case coming in November on this issue to hear arguments about whether agencies that receive federal funds can discriminate in adoption and foster care services because of their, quote, religious freedom because in November of last year, this administration announced a rule that would allow religious exemption for them. So Sissy Graham, whatever her new married name, Lynch, out Lynch. there just being the biggest bigot on the stage. And that's stiff competition in this particular. Look, and she at least came in third in some pageant contest, the way she presents herself. Yeah. Yes. Billy that, Graham's granddaughter, Chuck. Yeah, and Chuck, today I was reading on Twitter that there was, uh, you know, she she tweeted this, oh, don't, don't act like you know what my grandfather would do or vote for or blah, 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 because her dad, Franklin Graham, said that, you know, my dad was a private man. He never wanted to know people as politics, which I was like, really? He certainly 
you you didn't get that from him. You're the worst political mixing church and state right up with each other. But he said, but I want to disclose that my dad did vote for Donald Trump in 2016. And I'm like, and so she said, so don't pretend that you know uh, what my 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 grandfather is thinking or and I said like you and your dad do that's what I try to well also if you want us to think he's a bigot too sure we will great okay, yeah. what's the win here sissy wait I want to interrupt because this special we've gone international oh. David Sanderson said a big hello to you and Emerson from Vienna small word where I can watch you from here David Sanderson, y'all, is one of our heroes, and he should be one of yours and probably is your unknown hero because he shot every frame of uh, Sorted Lives, the series, and every frame of Blues for Willa Dean. And he is an amazing director of photography, and he is such a good man. We love him dearly and deeply, and uh, he's traveling and working and doing it safely over in Vienna. So, hey, David, love you. Hi, David. All right. All right, so uh, transition, someone I don't love, uh, Richard Grinnell is, oh, did y'all see his speech? The out former ambassador, the, the shame of the LGBT community spoke Wednesday night. He didn't mention at all that he was gay uh, or the LGBT community or Trump's being planned to push decriminalization of homosexuality, which nothing has been done on. Instead, he pushed a favorite Trump conspiracy theory about Obama and Biden spying on the Trump campaign, in spite of the fact that officials have testified under oath that they did not attempt influence in the FBI investigation. He also weirdly said he watched President Trump charm the chancellor of Germany while insisting that Germany pay its NATO obligations. Now, if you uh, if you have seen any pictures with, well, there she is, there's Angela Merkel right there. Does it look like he is charming her? Does that look like a love, uh, love fest to you? Look at all those men with their arms crossed, just, oh, I just, I love that picture so much. Uh, so Grinnell praised Trump's policy in both foreign and domestic affairs saying, his America first philosophy focus on the equality and dignity of every American, uh, maybe except, uh, you know, our trans brothers and sisters that are in the military. Uh, you forgot to mention that. Uh, he did not mention Trump's record on LGBTQ equality, although he recently claimed Trump is the most pro-gay president in American history. Uh, I'm gonna pause there so you can all vomit a little. HRC responded to a speech saying Richard Gaslight Grinnell wants us to think that his mere presence on the stage will cancel out Trump's blatant attacks on LGBT people. This came moments before homophobe Mike Pence took the stage. Shameful he's using his LGBTQ identity as a shield for this president. That's the HRC quote. Grinnell quote tweeted it and said corporations who give money to human rights campaign are supporting ugly partisan partisanship, U.S. businesses should stop giving to HRC or give the same amount of money to conservative gay groups like Log Cabin GOP. So here he is not only telling people not to give to uh, HRC, the organization, one of the organizations, one of our most important lobbyists for our community, have done so much for us, who I give money to every single month. Y'all, I just, I'm exhausted from this man. I just, I, I love that. Gaslight Grinnell so much. Yes, like I'm, that new nickname, like that needs to stick. Because I like so, yes. Because you like, I mean, sure, don't care about us, don't talk about us. Even Peter Thiel at the last RNC at least said he was a gay man uh, while he stood up there as the token on the stage. Um, but Richard spent the whole time with his head so far up Trump's ass he could smell the farts before they made it. Well, I say he's he's his his head so far up his ass he's gotten past the stench because it's oh, yep. mm -hmm. it is stinking, y'all. So and um, well, so I mean, bigotry abounds. What did you think of the week as a whole? What did you all think? Uh, anybody yeah, that watched, like you know, you kind of know what I thought. <laughs> well, here's my con real concern. After night one, which we already talked about, the next three nights, if I were a conservative or a Republican. I actually think they did a good job of speaking to those people. You know, the night where we had back-to-back -back 
Kaylee McEnany talking about her breast cancer gene, uh, Kellyanne Conway talking about uh, women in power, and uh, who was the other? There were three in a row right there. That, oh, was that oh, Tiffany? Oh, Lady Pence, Mama Pence. And Karen Pence. Um, oh, Kellyanne talking about the opioid crisis and Karen Pence having people just talk about issues. Now, there were lots of lies throughout, but if you're someone who wanted to believe, the fact that it got kind of boring and focused and lots of non-politicians, you know, the milk farmer lady, the lobster man from the main island of 300 people, I think those were really effective speakers to the audience they were shooting for. I like kind of wanted more of like crazy Kimberly and less of just like calm and boring. Yeah, and, you know the woman last night, uh, whose husband, the whose whose husband was the policeman who who was uh, killed, and it was a, it was a heartbreaking story. So if you just separate the story without being a Trump supporter, and of course her daughter is very upset at her because she said her her dad would never want him uh, his legacy to be a part of politics. So it's 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 very interesting uh, propaganda for the deplorables ken says well and yes erica the crazy former plant parenthood woman who thinks her husband that the husband should vote as the head of the family one vote for family who's told all those weird lies about the day that she saw the abortion you know the texas monthly did a big article about how her story's not even true um so yeah, they pulled them all out. And what really uh, bothered me the most, I think Emerson, is it's like they, they plucked every person of color that actually is for Trump and put them on that stage. Uh, I mean, not everyone, but you know what I mean. It was just, it, it, the, 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 the presentation did not match and reflect what their actual supporters are. What did reflect was when they cut to the audience of those idiots, those thousand people without mask on, one was, you know, all but dead, that one senator that on the front row and those old men, old bald bigot men, just all standing there. They There was one time they should, they, I thought, hey, who's, who's producing this? They look bored. Don't cut to them. When well, they're by the crazy. end, they were. I mean, Lord, I only made it to the end of the speech because Blake said, you know, if he's going to talk crazy, it'll be at the end. So we stuck with it. Chuck said, four nights of eye rolling and head shaking, but it was fairly successful targeting his face. The, the weird thing was, too, all the fear mongering that continued. If you have Biden, you're going to have all this. Well, we have all of this stuff right now. You know, there are protests in the street because people aren't happy with their government. That's this right. is Trump's America. It's, yeah. it, they, he, there was so much talking like he was going to be a new president, like it was his first time running. Sorry, exactly. you've had four years. No, no, no. He's, and, 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 you know, and, and then the COVID crisis is all but over, but the vaccine is all but in my arm. I mean, it's such utter bullshit. And anybody with any level of intelligence at all could see right through it. But there are so many people that are just foaming at the mouth of for anything that he says. So I, I am not going to relax until November the 4th. I will not. Right. Because I think there's lots of people who aren't foaming at the mouth who this was effective for. We all need to be working. We need to be phone banking for Senator Senate campaigns. We can flip. We cannot be complacent. Amy Harris, Lindsey Graham, phone bank for him. I mean, there's a there's a lot of them. The the, the woman who, I, her name escapes me right now, who's running against Mitch McConnell. Um, yep. All right, moving on. Uh, they, because can, this is what they're out there doing. Earlier this week, it was reported that the congressional GOP's campaign arm is asking other Republican and conservative groups to attack, attack a Democratic candidate in Texas Gina Ortiz-Jones, she's a former Air Force captain, and the district she's running into from San Antonio to El Paso has flipped four times since 2006. It is a real swing district. Yeah. They have a website where they give talking points to use for outside groups, includes reminders of Jones's sexual orientation to use it in digital and television advertisers and mailers highlighting an image of her with her partner and the talking point that Jones and her female partner lived and worked near DC, not Texas, before her Congress campaign. That seems clearly homophobic because of the dozens of candidates they cover on Democrat facts to use in targeted campaigns. She's the only one that appears with her spouse or partner. The site attacks other candidates for having lived in Washington. It does not mention the people they lived with there. 
So clearly a homophobic tactic. Now, since the story broke, the National Republican Campaign Committee removed the language about her orientation, uh, no longer referring to her female partner, but Democrat Facts does still have her photo up. Bob Salero for the NRCC said it was included as a factual statement, but we removed it because her orientation has nothing to do with her being a Washington, D.C. carpetbagger who supports closing local military bases in Texas 23 that will cost thousands of jobs. So they are going to use everything in the tactics. And despite what Richard Grinnell and all those people clapping back at Brian Fisher think, they will use our sexuality against us uh, if it suits their purposes. Yeah, Richard Grinnell. Uh, by the way, Emerson, we didn't say, uh, because they, they did come in today, the ratings were much, much less than the, uh, the Democratic uh, Convention, all four nights. That they were I don't think that matters. That is not a useful well, statistic. If, if nothing else, it, it, it upsets Trump, because he loves those ratings. He loves talking about your ratings are bad or your ratings are good, Fox Oh, News. good. Well, you and I got a friend who really wanted to keep his ratings down, so I'm glad. Well, that, so he got and decided to chastise me on Twitter about it. So um, about me watching, but I watch because I want to talk to you about it today. I needed to do this for my, my for my job. This this job I have. And, yeah. Uh, All right. So, up next. For material. Okay. I love this story, and thanks for handing it to me, Emerson, because I, I you didn't even know this, but um, I grew up uh, 41 miles from Roma, Texas, and there's a teacher there that is not my new hero, Taylor Lifka. Uh, Roma, Texas put up a welcoming backdrop for her virtual classroom. And I think we have the photo. And um, Marion Knowlton, a Republican candidate for the State House of Representatives, was incensed. And she went to Facebook to say this. Many of y'all know that I'm concerned about what the children of Texas are learning in our schools. This is the virtual classroom that each student visits every day. They are welcomed by an LGBT diversity poster, a welcome poster, a feminism poster that translates to girlfriend, your struggle is my struggle. Uh, a photo of radical protesters of one of whom looks like an Antifa member and propaganda that promotes the radical Marxist movement, Black Lives Matter. In addition, this teacher asked what pronoun they prefer. Our education system has been radicalizing our children for years and it continues to do so from elementary through higher education. This is not an isolated occurrence. It is a national pattern. A concerted effort to teach children what to think, not how to think. Leftist indoctrination. Uh, Knowlton deleted the post because she said she was being trolled and received hopeful comments, which she says is a signature trait of the progressional socialist movement. Lady, read your comment. If that's not hateful, shortly after the post, it's been reported that Lifka was put on administrative leave. Now, the high school student council stepped up and they did said it best and later they sent supporting her as a council, we the students unanimously believe the response from Roma Independent School District and it is, its administrators to place Ms. Lipka on administrative leave is unjust. Why should a teacher be punished for creating a safe and inclusive environment for her students? Ms. Lipka has been an advocate for community service and countless organizations. She has been a support system for students that often lack such a system at home. She is an extraordinary teacher and advisor. We agree that teachers as professionals should not teach bias, but we ask you this, what is the bias in believing that women are entitled to the same rights as men? What is the bias in believing students deserve the same rights regardless of their gender identity and sexual orientation? What is the bias in believing that all students deserve the same rights regardless of the skin of their color. That is not bias, it's equality. We reiterate our independent student council support for Ms. Ms. Taylor Lifka. And guess what? Roma Independent School District issued a statement Wednesday saying a high school teacher has, that has been placed on administration leave for criticism about images has been reinstated and is being allowed to keep the imagery up. The statement repeatedly and emphatically pledged Roma's independent school's commitment to anti-discrimination and inclusivity. 
a petition demanding ninth grade English teacher Taylor Lipka be taken off administrative leave garnered over 10,000 signatures. And here's the deal. I grew up 41 miles from Roma, Zapata, Texas, less than 5,000 people in my town. I think there's about 10,000 now. I told Rimerson today, I said, Roma can't have more than 10,000 people. They had 10,000 signatures and they had in their census, they had 9,700 people. So yay, Roma. In our district, when I was growing up, we played them in football. I lost every every single game. But I'm so sorry. I love this story so much. Yes. Well, and I love that Marion was getting trolled and she had to delete the post. But the most impressive part of that is I love that those students said absolutely not. That letter they wrote was so great and so perfect and said, this is the kind of teacher we should have. It was like a campaign speech perfection, that that, that letter. I mean, it was written like oratory. Is it bias if da 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 yeah. Is it bias if da 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 It's like, those, some of those kids should be doing UIL speech and debate. I they probably are. All right, well, in related education news, this is really great, I hadn't heard of this. Pride and Less Prejudice is an organization that donates age-appropriate LGBTQ inclusive books to pre-K through third grade classrooms. Founder Lisa Foreman said, our organization's mission is to foster the acceptance and support of LGBT and questioning youth by making them feel more at home in educational spaces. We also believe that LGBTQ inclusive books benefit other children by introducing them to perspectives different from their own, thereby encouraging empathy and compassion. Well, Pride and Less Prejudice just released their first celebrity fundraising video with a bunch of out stars in it. Rufus Wainwright says, when children see people like themselves in books, they get a glimpse of who they might become and they feel validated. Daryl Stevens, Noah's Ark says, when children see books with LGBTQ characters and themes in their classroom, it creates a more inclusive school culture and they grow up to be kids like that student council. Yes, they, are newly, they are a newly launched uh, organization just started in November. Right now, they raised $2,000 and donated 175 books. The goal of the video is to now raise 10 grand to be used to donate 800 books in the U.S. and Canada. You can donate for book bundles from $25 to $100. They have great titles like What Does a Princess Really Look Like to The Boy in the Bindi, all the way to Stonewall, A Building, An Uprising, A Revolution. So I'm going to put their website, Pride and uh, prideandlessprejudice.org, Go check it out. There's like a $25 book bundle with two books, $50 with four. You can pick the titles you like. Um, but I love that. Get it into the classrooms because it is. You grow the kind of kids that write that kind of letter by teaching them at an early age to imagine being different than they are. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. I just love it. I mean, can you yeah. imagine if we had books like that growing up? It you know, about the little sissy picking daisies in the outfield. That is the children's book that I would write about yeah. the sissy picking the flowers at the baseball field. I think you should do that, Emerson. I think you would make a, you would write a very good children. You need an illustrator. And, and you call it Centerfield Sissy. <gasps> Centerfield Sissy. Well, it would. I'm for, good with it, title. It was right. Uh, for it doesn't have the alliteration though, because I was right no. field. They always put me in the place where supposedly it goes the less. You know. As you have said from Mark Twain, never let the truth get in the way of a good story <laughs> or title. Or a good title. <laughs> yes. Which um, I think there was a lot of that, uh, a lot of uh, Trump speech last night. He read that Mark Twain quote right before uh -huh. his speech. So, okay, y'all, uh, you know, we had some really good, positive, wonderful stories. And now this one just continues to make me happy. This Jerry Falwell Jr. fallout, it just continues as he, he's resigned from Liberty University with a $10 million golden parachute. Uh, Becky Falwell has commented further about the cuckold sex scandal, call it embarrassing and humbling. But she insists Jerry did not like to watch. Uh huh. She told the AP that she and Jerry are more in love than ever. Oh, God. Prayers have been answered, y'all. I bet Vera Lisso has been praying for them. We have the strongest relationship we've ever had. And Jerry is the most forgiving person I have ever met. It's a shame that Christians can't give us the same forgiveness that Christ gave us. Now, at the same time, another pool boy has come forward. Uh, his name's Gordon Bale, a high school friend of pool boy number one. 
He says that the Falwell separately working at the Lowe's Miami Beach Hotel, he took the Falwells to court in 2017 for 25% of that gay hostel, similar to what they offered Granda. He claimed he and his father pitched Falwell on the hostel idea after Granda introduced them. It was settled privately out of court. He is now claiming G Giancarlo is not telling the truth of what happened. I hope he finds the courage to do so. Don't we all? Uh -huh. And all of this is making people look further into the sweetheart real estate deal that Falwell Jr. got his trainer on 18 acres of a former school property for a racket uh, sports and facility. Uh, Emerson, you cannot put that picture up while I'm reading That's it. That's the trainer. It distracted me. <laughs> It was like, I can't, I was like, oh, is that Becky kissing him? I'm um, not sure. The trainer is one of Falwell. Uh, he sent a thank you note of Becky in a French maid's outfit, you know, as you do as a good uh -huh. pastor. To when he, but he accidentally also sent it to several Liberty employees. Oh my God, I love this story. He, I don't think he's that bright. Uh, so now, and here's another a little while we were, you know, just today. Today, just today, literally Emerson and I were in, in a writing session and he said, oh, we have to pause. I have to send you something. Another student came forward. This one happened, a Liberty uh, University uh, student. You, uh, also was uh, connected to the Falwells because he was the Falwell son's friend who was in a garage band. And he claims that Becky groomed him, seduced him after band practice and gave him a blow job. Uh, the student went along with the encounter at the time. I mean, what 22 year old wouldn't, but he rejected further advances of Becky did not stop her from continuing to pursue him through a series of flirtatious messages. The man in question has provided copies of these messages uh, and on Politico and several of his friends have confirmed that it is true. He's now 34 years old and he, now this is what's sad. I mean, I'm, I'm being so silly here, but he claims he's uh, suffered immense depression and anxiety as a result of the grooming and the encounter and says in light of the Me Too movement, Me Too. Uh, Barry and Jerry Falwell have released a statement and they deny the students' allegations. Uh, it is unfortunate that the coverage of our departure has turned into a frenzy of false and fantastic claims about us. All right, well, way to bring the room down. Guess we won't laugh at that. Well, yeah. Yeah, so, okay. I don't have anything that's else to say about that. But that's no. I think that's important to, to, to actually, you know, we, here we are making light and everything, but then he said it has caused him drama. And I mean, she was an older woman and, and he yeah. felt very groomed and violated. So. That's very real. And it's very different than the other stories that have come out so far. So if there's more like that, that's very different than like we met a pool boy and bought him a hostel. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, as we hit the midpoint, no, I was, and I was not chastising you. I just meant I can't make any jokes now because I didn't know the end of that oh, story. Oh, I know, I know, I know, Emerson. You know, you can. Um, it's a commercial break. If y'all enjoy what we do here, uh, and you want to throw us a dollar or five or thirty or a hundred or thousands because you're just rolling in money, you can. You can send us a tip on Venmo to at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. We appreciate it. We do work hard to find stories that make you think, tell you something you might not have heard this week and make you giggle a little bit. It's also in the comments. Two real quick things and I'll get us back on track. Yes, did you have a... No, go ahead, sorry. Do you have a, t a commercial I, thing? I just want to say at some point you must put up Leanne Noble's comment that where she's having to watch the show to get away from her family who annoys her during our show. It made oh. me laugh so hard. I see, I'm trying to get us back on track. <laughs> the two quick things, uh, Anchorage, Alaska has banned conversion therapy, making them the first city in Alaska to do so. There are now 20 states and dozens of cities that have banned the use on minors and their, bar, and their ordinance bars medical professionals uh, from subjecting LGBT youth to any kind of conversion therapy. Vote was nine to two, Good. fuck those two. And then, Alex Morris that we told you about in the College Democrats and all of that weird story. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has come out and endorsed him 
uh, against his opponent, Richard Neal, who's been in his seat since 1989 because they share many of the same progressive goals. Moore said, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez took on her own entrenched incumbent in 2018, she changed public service for the better, further inspiring me and so many others to fight for our districts and empower those who have been long forgotten. I'm honored to have the Congresswoman's courage to change in our corner. It'll be the honor of my life to bring people alongside me to Washington. And y'all, this is important. This is progressives primarying what they consider centrist Democrats that they feel are beholden to corporations. I think we're going to continue to see this as people are not willing to wait for Medicare for all and the Green New Deal. So we'll see if he manages to knock him out. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, um, many of you don't know this, but Emerson and I both graduated from Baylor University in Waco, Texas. So this was such a disturbing story for us. Uh, the police in Waco, Texas have arrested a 17-year-old. His name's Damarian Trammell D. D Great in connection with three different shootings of gay men. All three cases involved uh, using a fake profile on an unnamed dating app to lure victims to a secluded area. Currently, he's only been formally charged with one case, but the charges say he met his victims on the app, and the next day he requested a ride from his victim who picked him up at his home. The pair then drove to a remote location under the auspice of buying drugs. After being gone for several minutes, the de defendant, Degrate, uh, returned to the vehicle where the victim was waiting. He opened the passenger's door and shot the victim in the chest at point-blank range. The victim was able to drive off, and eventually he stopped at a gas station less than one mile away, and he now remains in critical conditions, condition. Following the first encounter, police say he arranged a meeting with 23-year-old Jonathan Breeding about two hours later, and Breeding also was shot in the chest at point-blank range and died shortly thereafter. He also named a third meeting that same night where the victim was also shot in the chest after meeting his assailant on the app. So just basically a serial killer on, on a rampage to kill All gay in people. one day. One day. I mean, the, the, the speed of this is so terrifying that he, whatever happened to him that snapped and found three different old. men uh, to shoot in the chest in the same day, the 17 year old. Um, and yes, weird for our connection to Waco. But such a reminder to be so careful meeting people that you only know from online. No matter how great it seems, always, always, always start in a public place. Yeah. It's I mean, I didn't always before, but, but I did always text a friend where I was going. But Emerson, this was a public place. That's what's so crazy about it. They met publicly and then he just came in and shot him point blank. I, it was, it, it's so disturbing. And uh, yeah, you, you cannot be careful. Yeah, they, but they met by themselves, like not in a, like he got in his car and they right. were looking yes, rough. Of course. Yes, absolutely. I, I can't figure out from the story, I, I, there, were, there were a few missing ingredients in the story for me. I, uh, it, he shot three, but it doesn't say if the third, I know one was killed, one's in critical condition, but I don't know what happened to the third guy. So uh, other than he was shot. So anyway, so. But so just such a reminder, no matter where you are, be careful in your electronic communications. Because um, you could meet your husband, you could also meet a crazy person. Yes. Um, in much lighter news, this story starts fun and then goes awry. Um, 30 miles south of Montpellier in the Herault region of France, Cape Degay, I'm not sure how to say it, D apostrophe A-G-D-E, is a town that started attracting nudists in the 1950s and 1960s, and it has grown to become one of the largest clothing optional communities in the world, with up to 35,000 to 40,000 visitors a day in the summer. Now, the main gathering spot for nudists is the Naturist Village, a resort known for attracting swingers as well as families. It's not specifically gay like Palm Springs or Key West, but gay naturists make up 10 to 20% of its visitors, more men than women. So there's that. There's a pedestrian gate you pay to go through. And then the town, which swells up to 40,000 people, is predominantly naked. The people who work at like the deli, the barber, the bar, now they're all clothed for the most, but for the most part, no one else is. And I want to show you, I found this photo of just a man at the deli um, strolling through town, picking up his, picking up his things at the shop. 
Oh, he looks nice. So it's not just like a resort. It's literally a whole town that once you're inside, it's known and understood. You can be nude wherever you go. Um, so just pop off to the shop um, and get your things. Well, um, now they've had a big coronavirus outbreak, unfortunately. Um, the first round had 95 people test positive for COVID-19, including at least two hotel employees. And the rate of infection was four times higher among naturists in the clothing optional resort area than in the surrounding area. I think that might go back to that how there's lots of swingers there thing. Um, 50 more vacationers have reported getting sick with the virus after returning home. Health officials say the spike is very worrying and are telling visitors to follow social distancing recommendations and to wear face masks, even if they wear nothing else. Uh, I did appreciate them like not cramping the naturist and nudist styles, but y'all, you can be naked and still be smart. That is right. I want to go. I, I, I want to stop and wander around with my basket in front of my basket. His 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 haircut looked a little like uh, Jared Kushner. Is um oh just like well yeah just that good old businessman. But would you visit? Would you go stay in yeah, town? Yeah, I'm getting more comfortable with that kind of thing. I mean, you know, used to I was always um, uh, body issues and worried about cameras. Uh, but um, Ken said they were doing more than shopping. Well, I certainly hope so. Though I, they did say I found a big article on the town from a couple of years ago, and they're very stringent about no sex stuff in the public things. But it has become known, and there are clubs and lots of shops to buy gear and things but they work really hard to keep it very pg in the public spaces and then you can make a little friend and bring them back to your room your house your hotel but keep your yeah. social distance I've even if you're out swinging your dick around i know we've we i've been on a nude beach with you i mean yeah. it, we, we were on that rsvp cruise in the bahamas that was that was when, when everybody else is doing it, it's kind of like you know oh what did yeah. what did you say that well, the, the, I, I, I thought oh. you were done Oh, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm no, done. no, no. You was when everyone else is what? When everybody else is naked, it's kind of like, yeah, okay. Uh, it's it's. Uh, yeah. It's only weird if it's just you. If it, everybody it, is, it just seems like this is the costume for the day. Here's where I'm trying to get better at it, and and or how are we doing on time? We're okay. Um, is I'm trying to, you know, I performed at a, co a couple of these clothing optional places where everybody else is naked, and for when you're in the limelight like that. I feel like that, you know, everybody's just looking at your dick. So that's- well, they are at first, but then you forget after you've seen it for 20 seconds. That, that's that's my truth. And But I'm gonna, after COVID, I'm not gonna give a shit anymore. So y'all invite me to all those sort of lives, uh, those weekends at Timberfell, I will just get naked with everybody. I'm just gonna do it. For Oz, I had to cancel Oz. I was going to Oz. I will get naked this time, I promise you all. Because after the first 20 seconds of looking at it, there's nothing else to see unless it starts doing a party trick, you know. There you go. So Ken answered your question. Two of the Waco victims are deceased. Oh, One is thank still you. in critical thank you. Uh, condition. All right, so uh, Avanti West Coast unveiled a new rainbow-themed train from London to Manchester, and they're letting people name it. The 11-carriage train is also the first in the country uh, entirely staffed by LGBT crew uh, LGBTQ crew, uh, the trained manager, Paul Austin said, this is about being accepted. I cannot do, you can do a better British accent for who I am and representing the LGBT community. We serve across our network, being a part of UK's first all LGBT crew is a sign of the steps we're taking towards a more inclusive, diverse and equal society. And I am so proud to be involved today. Then, Piers Morgan, who has blocked me on Twitter, tweeting, why? <laughs> Over a story about a trans, uh, a tr the, the train's first uh, trip. A Latino America for Trump account said, I'm gay and I think this is too gay. Can we not just ride a normal damn train? 
Uh, to which Pierce responded, ha ha, exactly what I was thinking. Do any gay people actually want to ride a gay train? Yeah, fuck yeah. I do. I do, yes, I do, with all that those cute gay I stuff. I want to ride a gay train. I assume it goes down the tracks with a little switch. Yeah, and you sing show tunes as you go. Uh, he then called it uh, the Virtual Signaling Express. Avanti West Coast tweeted back, thanks for helping us uh, spread the word, Piers. Uh, he answered them by saying, my pleasure. Have you thought of changing your name to Walk Motive? Is that right? We <laughs> uh, Woke motive. Woke motive. Uh, you the, know, like, are you woke? Like, woke, you're woke. Yeah, woke motive. Uh, woke motive. So, so the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, an LGBTQ uh, London venue, tried to explain to Pierce, saying, the thing is, Pierce, when you tweet stuff like this, your followers then feel emboldened to openly attack LGBTQ people in the re replies and in the street. Yet you stay silent. Your silence speaks volumes. He didn't seem to get it, though. He said, it's perfectly possible to be a longtime vocal supporter of gay rights like me and think a gay train is and something happened to my computer. Um, a gay train is ridiculous. It ended with Morgan agreeing to appear at the, which I, I like this part of this, because he they challenged him to appear at the tavern, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, and speak with English comedian Ava uh, Vidal as part of their new show. So he is going to be interviewed, and but you know, he's a, he's a jerk. It's also, it's just annoying because he did it to get a rise out of people, but they were right in what they said, like, ha ha ha, but you laughing at this, gives other people permission to laugh at LGBTQ people in public. Like that's the point. Cause otherwise like, no, who cares? If you don't want to ride our freak train, don't ride it with us. We'll ride it without you. But the point is don't laugh. If you don't care, just move on. And it's none of your business, any business. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I could ride the train. Yes, Leanne, of course you can ride the train. When I put comments up, I do it so that at the end of your thought, we can address the comment. You don't have to stop the middle of your thought. And do oh, that. The way I am. You can't change me at this point, Emerson. I, I can't. It, it's just it, it, the focus. I try to get it when I think you're coming coming to it to a thing. It's okay. I anything that I don't finish, people. I just expect people to fill in the blanks. You've been doing this for years with me. I mean, oh. in, in my shows, I do expect people. When I just stop mid sentence, I think, oh no, you filled it. I'm That's done. I'm done. What? My mind has hopped to something else. Sorry. Oh, I love that. Well, I love there. They're our train and I want to ride it. This next story, uh, you may not know who this guy is. Um, Low Anthony is a very popular 21-year-old YouTuber. He had over a million YouTube subscribers all the way back in 2014. He was really big in the early YouTube days and he has over a million followers on Instagram. His content was very fun, gossipy, gay, and fangirly. And a few days ago, he put out a 40-minute video called Jesus Delivers, surviving sexuality. In it, he denounced his same-sex attraction and said he was committing to Christian celibacy. He talked about his struggles with drug and alcohol and addiction and revealed he was sexually abused by an older boy when he was a child. He then seemed to connect his same-sex attraction to his substance abuse and other addictive tendencies, saying, it's no coincidence that through pursuing my same-sex attraction, I was also addicted to alcohol. I was addicted to weed. I was trying hallucinogens. I was addicted to money, to views, to attention. He said his search for gay love would ultimately end with disappointment, a void, which was later filled by Jesus Christ. Now, this led many people to assume he had gone through conversion therapy because that language, right, linking addictive behaviors to same-sex attraction is just a different kind of addiction is very common to conversion therapy therapists and camps. And he made a follow-up video addressing that saying, no, Christianity had gotten rid of that a long time ago, but he was just choosing to leave his old ways behind, being ruled by the fresh flesh and condemning his all kinds of lust, both hetero and homosexual. He said, I felt a call from God to look at my sexuality, my lust, and do something about it. Defending his cel celibacy, he did not go through conversion therapy. And I share this because one, watching the two videos is really heartbreaking because he is very sitting in that generous Christian place. He wasn't lashing back at people that were calling him, you know, saying negative things. It was that very summer vacation Bible school church camp, like centered peace heart place. 
but it's also really dangerous because in his audience, he grew a lot of very young LGBTQ people who became his fans because they related to him. And it's really concerning that, uh, that there are people in his audience who may want to investigate this thing that we all know is very wrong. And even if you want to be spiritual, even be a Christian, this is not the way to do it as a person who is LGBTQ. So it's very heartbreaking uh, to watch and also dangerous. Yeah, it's a lot of the wrong thing. I don't know. You know it's, it, it's hard. We, we, we know people like that. I mean, we know somebody who was, uh, who was a part of Southern Baptist Sissies, the, uh, who has become a big born again Christian, and his Instagram is very, very not only about Jesus, but it's very uh, judgmental, quite frankly, uh, towards those who are not. I mean, and and the comments that he, uh, I had to block him because I said, you can't be, you can't be a part of my uh, world in my Instagram when you know who I am and what I stand for, and you are disrespecting me. That's a well. And this one isn't. And so I would encourage anybody that engages with him to stay in a concerned and helpful attitude because it's also hard to watch because he's 21 and he's realizing I've been famous since I was 14 from YouTube and I did lots of drugs and like I was waiting for the views on the videos. And it's great to say those are things that aren't healthy for me. It's sad that he associates those with his sexuality, that he can't have a, a healthy sexuality that's not about YouTube views or needing to party, you know? So if, if anybody engages with him, that judgmental dismissive thing is not a helpful, productive conversation as hopefully he doesn't stay in this place for long. I mean, where were we at 21? That's- Oh God, deep in the closet of Baylor. I was sitting on the side of the road thinking if I killed myself, I could get to Jesus faster to get the answers to my questions. You know, it is an age where people go through much stuff and he's just so public with such a vulnerable audience that it's a little absolutely so all right uh this is a, this is a very complicated story and uh, we're we're really curious about what you think so weigh in here the orlando uh, philharmonic orchestra announced a tribute piece to the 2016 pulse nightclub shooting and there was a strong backlash to the fact that the composer is straight white man who does not live in orlando now the piece was created by uh i i i not positive how to say his name, it's L-J-O-V-A, Jlova, a Russian-American immigrant uh, composer. It was reportedly framed around 49 musical ideas with each section beginning with a representation of a heartbeat and ending with somber bells. He was commissioned to compose a piece four years ago, and after Pulse happened, he focused on that saying, I was just about to begin composing the piece, then and then, and asked the orchestra, orchestra if it would be okay for me to dedicate the new piece to the victims. It was my intention to bring attention and comfort to the families of the victims and to use uh, my opportunity as a composer with a commission to respond musically. I was writing a piece for the Orlando Philharmonic in Orlando and indeed the country which was in a state of mourning that I could not ignore. The Philharmonic agreed to perform it, secured a $6,000 grant for the musicians playing it. A representative, uh, a representative negative response said nothing against Lev, but this is an unfortunate choice and missed opportunity on the or Orlando Philharmonic's part to not select and support a queer composer of color to represent and write about a tragic event that targeted that community. A shame that you all didn't catch that or decided it wasn't important, especially in these times when folks are trying to rise uh, to, to, are rising up for voices of color and queer voices to be heard. So the orchestra then apologized on its Facebook page for getting it wrong, returned the grant, and canceled the performance. The Orlando Philharmonic has previously donated hundreds of hours performing at community uh, commemorations and private memorials, and each June its members play at the site of the shooting to commemorate the victims, but now the event is canceled and the grant has been returned. So. So does that make sense to you all? Um, do we have any Latino or Latina queer people watching today with a thought? Because it was, I read the comments and they announced this concert to honor Pulse. And people said, it's a straight white composer. We can't believe you didn't do that. Then they explained that they had commissioned him a long time ago to write a piece about anything. Then Pulse happened. He was moved by it, by lots of, by as many of us were. He isn't in our community or from their community, 
but since he was writing for that community, he wanted to use it. So he changed the focus of the piece he was already writing to be about that. So they booked a piece from him. Does that make sense? Yes. So I feel like we're struggling with two issues here, right? All of our arts communities really are talking about giving marginalized voices opportunities. Certainly queer Latina Latinx people having an opportunity and finding a composer in that community would be a great thing. What makes this a little wonky is that they didn't ask him to write it about this. Right. So what I'm curious is if there's any queer Latin Latinx people, are you of the mind that like, it doesn't matter if that's what he wanted to write about, they should have said, that's great. But since it's our community, we should start with somebody from that community and then maybe follow up with your piece since you are a straight white man. Does that make sense? Like there is some room here for both sides to have some, some, some right. or, or, community. I was thinking when I was, I thought how sad that this straight ally was touched by this horror that we all were. And he felt compelled to use his talents to do this. And then it was negated because he was not of color and of uh, and was not queer. So I was wondering, can we do both? I mean, can you say, okay, in addition to we're going to have, I don't know. I just feel like the, to dispose of his his art and his 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 graciousness with his talent is a little bit wrong. The um, Eric asked, is the composer profiting from this? He was already paid to commission just a commission. He's a known composer, so they commissioned a piece. When they did it, they didn't dictate what. He chose to make it about this. It's like if I were commissioned to write a play for a theater and, uh, and, and I'm paid to write that play, which- John said, oh my God, now we're prejudiced against straights. Wrong. Eric said, uh, give the mic to the right person. And I feel like there is an element of that they should have looked at this and said, if you want to write a piece, I do sort of land at, even though the intentions were all really good, thinking about the conversations about who gets to tell whose stories, right? I'm a little like, I don't need to see Call Me By Your Name from a straight guy. Like, great, but like, don't you have lots of things to write about? I'm not saying you can only write about your stories, but we are sort of at a moment of, that should be the second piece maybe like and maybe what will come out of this is they will commission specifically someone and then maybe they could present the two pieces together as a night well, well they also i mean you're, you're, you're now you're I'm, I'm hearing you and i'm listening the 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 thing that i think where if where they aired is when he did because he did come back and present this to them at that point they should they should have said maybe we should have a queer person of color write this. We should commission another one, but thanks for the inspiration. I mean. Well, I, I think play the piece is where I end up. Jeremy said, I think it could have been beautiful and a great opportunity for cross cultural dialogue. Ken said, if they had set out to commission a piece for Pulse, it would have been different. That would have come from the community. Kevin said, I think it was wonderful this man chose to honor the killing. And I agree. Uh, David said, no, it's BS. He explained himself and we should be happy. He decided to dedicate the piece to that horrific event. I land in the like, they should do it. They commissioned this piece. It's what the man chose to write about. I think hearing why the local queer Latinx, Latinx community has a strong response should inspire to ensure we continue to give voice to that as well. Yeah. Question, though. Thanks for those comments. I appreciate it. And it's important we talk to each other. It's okay. We don't all have to agree. It sounds like they're hearing it and they should uh, do the, uh, and Danielle uh, said, a straight musician performed a song in response to a trans teen who took her own life and I was very touched by it. Clearly his intentions were good. Hopefully they can all as a community reach good results. Um, can yeah, you do this one in one minute? What's that? Can you, can you do that last one in one minute? Oh, I thought you had a quick one before that. For the last, I was, well, we um, could just wrap it up. Oh, oh, you you want the uh, the 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 Bella? Now, now the minute's gone. Um, should we just see these last two? Seconds. Uh, Joseph also isn't a committed ally. Something we and everyone should want. Yes, and I do agree with that. We don't want to discourage um, allies and people creating art. Someone is moved by something, should it matter what color or gender or person they are? Certainly not. But I do think it is valid to consider marginalized communities saying, 
Sure, but also like give us the mic at least as well, you know, even if not first. Good. Hey, Emerson, I, can I yes. just give a real quick shout out and, and, yes. and honor somebody who really touched my life, who, who lost his life this week? Uh, Richard Justice was one of my hosts at uh, the Capri Lounge in Augusta when I was doing Six Characters in Search of a Play. And he was lovely, man. The, 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 the performance happened to be on my mom's death date. So it was a very special night for me. They had white flowers and it was this tiny little stage. I could barely fit the three chairs. You remember I called you about it. And he sat, Richard sat behind and, and, and did lights and he lost his life to COVID. So I just wanted to say uh, thank you. All right. Uh, well, all right. We missed it. Um, if it's your, if you are enjoying our show, thank you. A huge thank you to Matt and Chuck and Sean and Bob um, for your contributions. We appreciate them. If you want to send us a tip, you can do it on Venmo at Emerson Collins or on PayPal to Beard Collins Shores Productions at gmail.com. I, I love that discussion we just had. I do too. Thank you. I think it's good for all of us to, to think about how we engage with, you, with each other and understand we each bring a different point of view, uh, even within our own communities, to how we want to be represented and what we want to see. And it's important uh, to hear the voices of who stuff is about loudest, right? I agree. I agree. And um, it was... Uh... It was an interesting show. We had a lot of fun, and we also had a lot of uh, of important stories in this week. David, is there a way to tip apart from Venmo or PayPal? Both of them don't work for me. Um, I the, sorry. I mean, PayPal. It's just you know writing in the email. Um, you can just share the broadcast and send us your thanks. Thank you. Um, well, we are going to be off on Tuesday because I'm taking an actual vacation and not doing any work uh, Saturday. Through Wednesday, but we'll be back next Friday. Uh, uh, yes, next Friday. I'll you have a have a great. Have a, I was busy reading some comments, and I, I'm enjoying the comments. I'll read them all no. when we're done with the show. Thank you so much for joining us today, Emerson. Have a safe uh, journey, and as, uh, as Leanne always says, great therapy session, y'all. This is therapy for me. We love doing this with y'all. It's a great space. We love you making us think and laugh together. We will see you on a week from today.